Let's get it going for another week, and welcome to May Day and the number of inches of snow that you have on your place this morning. Uh, I don't know. It's not all that surprising, I guess. We get this kind of thing from time to time. Good thing it's not sticking around very long, though. Yeah, looks like the weather's going to be a lot warmer this week than what we saw over the weekend. Uh, folks in southwestern Nebraska, western Kansas, you got to say some prayers for those folks. Still without power, lots of wheat damage. We're going to talk about that in Ag News. Uh, of course, the Kansas Weed Quality Tour starts today. They're going to have an interesting time as they venture out to the western part of the state. I uh, saw some tweets here this morning. They are saying patience in evaluating the weed, of course, after you experience some damage. They say contact your crop insurance agent if you did uh, see some damage to your weed out there. Uh, contact your crop insurance guy as soon as possible. Also at 1219, Dewey with Mike Zuzlo of Global Commodity Analytics. Because of the lots of moisture, also the damage to the weed over the weekend, we've got higher grain prices today. They'll talk about that at 1219. Our newsmaker today is David Shem, weed grower and president of the National Association of Weed Growers from Sharon Springs, Kansas. Uh, his wheat was just decimated by that blizzard they saw yesterday. Uh, 14 inches piling on top of that wheat that was already headed, so uh, kind of a somber interview at 1245. Uh, at 117, uh, audio with Senator Kurt Friesen from Henderson discussing LB98 and the three-cent levy for Nebraska's NRDs. That bill will be on the floor coming up tomorrow morning as they get back in session at the unicameral. Jesse has that interview at 117. All right, listen for it all. And you've just had your fan, your your staff is fanned out all over the uh, contest. That's exactly you? right. Susan and Jesse, both in Washington, D.C. for Washington Watch. They'll have lots of great interviews from there, including more from Sonny Perdue. Yeah. And so Shaley's uh, keeping tabs on the Kansas Weed Tour, so it's a busy week. Absolutely. All right, Jason Jorgensen over here on Sports. Turned out to be a decent trip east for the Husker baseball team against Ohio State. They took two out of three. Yesterday's game was a little wild. Yeah. Nebraska led it 10 to nothing for holding on after Ohio State scored eight runs against Nebraska's bullpen and actually brought the tying run to the plate. But Nebraska was able to hold on. They now move into finals week. They will not play again. No midweek game this week. They will not play again until Friday against Rutgers. We will get the thoughts of head coach Darren Erstead about that. Also, kind of a quiet weekend on the draft front for Nebraska. Just one player went. Nathan Gary was drafted in the fifth round by Philadelphia. However, uh, several other Huskers either have signed a free agent deal or will get a tryout with teams. We will give you the lowdown on that. And Kansas City will try again this afternoon to stop their losing skid, which is now at nine games, as they'll start a series with Chicago. You talk about someone who is looking to put April in the rearview mirror. (laughs) That would be the Kansas City Royals. I have to think so. Good chance for layover for the Husker baseball team, though. I mean, much needed rest, or do they need to keep plugging away? Well, they need to take care of their studies, so you get that out of the way, and it will be nice not to have a midweek game, and then they'll host Rutgers, but they... uh, they almost got the sweep this weekend at Ohio State. Friday's game, which was postponed due to rain, and they finished up on Saturday. That one got away from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. Congressional Republicans and Democrats reaching an agreement on a $1 trillion-plus spending bill that would fund most of government operations. All of that and more coming up on In Business News. So stick around. We'll have all this and more today on Midday. 
Wow, you've got an image there that we really ought to take a picture of and post there. It's the current visible satellite picture. Yes, and we do have this on our KRVN Facebook page. The Goodland Weather Service uh, froze a picture of the visible satellite photo from early this morning. And since it was clear at that time, you can really make out the snow band where the snow fell, the heaviest of the snow fell across west central Nebraska into western areas of Kansas because on a visible satellite photo it sees all that white on the ground and it's since it was clear that's not clouds it's actually snow cover yeah and right now we're looking at it on our current system and we could see that heaviest snow band from about O'Neill down to around Broken Bow and Ord Lexington to near Kearney uh, on over to about Gothenburg also down to around the McCook area then as you head from Norton to Atwood Colby down to Joaquini, then on into southwestern Kansas. It's it's as if someone took a, a map uh-huh. and you just put your your finger up there on like <laughs> Broken Bow yeah. and just drew an angular line down toward Ulysses, Kansas, and about the width of your finger is all that the snowfall amounted to that wide. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, and a lot of us that did fall in a lot of other areas just melted on contact because the ground is so warm currently. Just amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, the uh, the upshot of this thing <laughs> is that it's going to warm up pretty quick. Huh? Yes, exactly. Uh, this time of year, you get that May sun going. Uh, the ground is already pretty warm. This snow not going to last long. It's going to melt rather quickly. And once again, you can see that image on our KRVN Facebook page in case you do want to look at that. One traffic note to pass along to you. South Highway 3, South Highway 83 at the Kansas-Nebraska border, currently closed due to the weather conditions still tying up the roads there. And we got this update about 10 minutes ago from the roads department. And you can keep up to date, of course, on the Kansas road conditions and the Nebraska Department of Roads conditions by checking out their websites. And uh, a lot of people still struggling with power right now. Crews out there still trying to get that done and uh, plenty of damage that's still to be assessed uh, with regard to what this did. I guess that damage is done, but lots of repair to come and Coolman Repair is bringing you this weather. High pressure building in today. That's going to build in behind that behind that departing source system and since we'll be in the middle of those two systems we'll get some breezy conditions out of the northwest but clearing skies that newly fallen snow going to melt very quickly a weak disturbance diving southeast today may kick up a few sprinkles although otherwise those winds start to die down tonight and we could see some patchy frost towards morning hours if those winds do stay lined up otherwise Another system brings us a chance of some rain tomorrow, an increasing chance of rain with an area of low pressure passing to our south. Looks like late tomorrow through Wednesday, the best time to see some rain chances with this system. But it's a weaker system, and those rain chances will be less widespread than what we did see with this last system. Plus, it's going to continue to move to the east and not take a trek to the northeast. And that's where we, of course, got a lot of this precipitation is on the backside of this last system is when we were on the north side of that storm system. A ridge of high pressure takes hold for late in the week and the weekend. That'll bring in some dry and warmer weather. In our long-term forecast, temperatures are forecast to be warmer than normal in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through May 14th. Those higher chances of being warmer than normal are this weekend through early next week. That precipitation forecast for Nebraska and Kansas starts out drier than normal this weekend through early next week and shows a trend towards above-normal precipitation later next week through the 14th. 
Now, soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the upper 30s in north and west Nebraska, or basically along the north of a line from Columbus to North Platte and McCook in south-central and east Nebraska, and also west and central Kansas, so soil temperatures in the low 40s. Eastern Kansas soil temperatures right now in the mid to upper 40s. Wind-driven weekend snow blanketed a strip from northernmost Texas to northeast Nebraska. The most significant accumulations of a foot or more in western Kansas, southeast Colorado, and the Oklahoma Panhandle. And in that storm's wake, the producers are assessing the winter wheat for signs of damage, including lodging and stock breakage. In areas of the central and southern plains, and we also have some snowfall totals to pass along to you. Uh, reports of a foot of snow coming in from Colby, Kansas, 14 inches of snow towards Ulysses, Kansas, in the southwest, and 15 inches in Hugenton, Kansas. In areas of the southern plains not affected by the heavy snow, the wheat generally benefited from another round of that moisture. Field work also at a standstill across the upper Midwest and eastern Corn Belt. Weekend rainfall total 4 to 8 inches or more in a broad area from central and southern Missouri into the lower Ohio Valley. The storm responsible for that active weekend weather will result in some lingering rain in today in the Midwest and severe thunderstorms in the eastern U.S. A new storm system expected from the western U.S. by midweek that will bring additional rain to the eastern half of the U.S. Warmth gradually spreading east and should reach the high plains late in the week. All right, thanks very much, Paul, and uh, of course brought to you by Coolman Repair this time around. Some isolated thunderstorms will be possible over some portions of the Outlook area. The, uh, For instance, uh, North Platte Weather Service indicating the afternoon and evening could see some sprinkles maybe along and north of I-80, but nothing severe is to expect. It. We'll let you go rest your voice right after <laughs> I tell you that when you need weather anytime. It's at krvn.com. Farmers assessing the damage of the Kansas wheat crop in western areas. I'm Joe Gangwish with Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. The western part of Kansas buried from 8 to 14 inches of snow, locally higher amounts covering the already heading wheat. David Shem is president of the National Association of Wheat Growers from the Sharon Springs area. He told us this morning it won't be how much damage was done to the wheat. It's more like how much of the wheat they have left. He talks about what's next. Big challenges I see coming up here through the next several weeks as to what we're going to do. Um, obviously, with the wheat and, and the concern over it, it's going to be a lot of evaluating. I do know that uh, we're getting ready to kick off the wheat tour here in the uh, state today, and it's going to be interesting to see what they find that especially as they get out to this part of the country. Well, Shim went on to say there are a few farmers with corn planted who are concerned there as well about replanting and maybe that short window to get the rest of their corn planted. He says they're still without electricity in much of western Kansas and will be for a while as crews to continue to work in that area. Now, officials say if you did suffer damage this weekend, notify your crop insurance agent as soon as possible. Well, it might be an industry uh, interesting hard red winter wheat tour said to kick off tomorrow. Let's get more on that from Shaley Peters. After the weather that hit most of wheat country this past weekend, this year will be off to a unique start as scouts head out of Manhattan tomorrow morning. Dave Green, executive vice president of the Wheat Quality Council who heads up the wheat tour, says he's never seen anything like it. I've done this for over 35 years now and I I can't remember this kind of a snow event. 
you know, associated with this late in the season. So this is really going to be territory for our group that uh, nobody's going to be real familiar with as to just what we're looking at and what kind of damage maybe this can do. Green says the snow coupled with the wet weather has them anxious. We went into it a week ago thinking that uh, conditions were certainly above average, you know, uh, approaching last year in a few of the areas. And uh, really, the crop was very much improving over time. And now these two, three events here with the disease and the frost and the snow kind of made everybody take another assessment. And they're kind of going to be anxious for what we what we see out there. Stay up to date with all of our wheat tour coverage this week by visiting RuralRadio.com or following us on Facebook and Twitter. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Well, tomorrow, LB98 will come before the Nebraska legislature. Let's get more on that from Jesse Harding. The bill would extend the sunset date to the levy authority to go to three cents for NRDs and their integrated management plans till 2026. Senator Kurt Friesen of Henderson, who introduced the bill, discusses what would happen to irrigators if LB98 does and does not pass. If it goes through, basically nothing changes unless they decide to raise or lower that levy. So if we would take that authority away, what they would do is they do have access to a $10 per acre occupation tax. So what possibly could happen then is that they would implement the $10 occupation tax and then all of this integrated management plan spending, the dollars that are needed to implement those integrated management plans would come strictly off of irrigated acres in the district. And our research kind of shows that in some areas you can see like a 116 to 120% increase in their property tax levy on the NRD portion. So it'd be a, I think a two dollar, two dollar and fifty cents an acre tax increase on their property tax levy, over what they're paying now. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. We have a lot more ag information for you, including podcasts and video, all at ruralradio.com. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Roll Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, and we talk with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Of course, weather has taken center stage in regards to the movement of the markets. But there's also some record short positions. Is that true? Yeah, Dewey. I mean, this is where it's kind of a perfect storm, and and I play that with the weather, you know, in terms of a pun. You had the technicals close very respectively on Friday as a monthly close coming out of April in the wheat. We saw the March lows taken out week before last. We were able to get those lows back on Friday's close. So we closed the monthly chart out looking very healthy. CFTC Commitment of Traders report comes out by a long shot, a record long, a record net short position by the managed money funds. And so then you have that with the idea that the market was expecting a much more favorable weather play in the weekend, not as much rain for the Corn Belt and not nearly as much snow for the Wheat Belt. So it is a perfect storm of short covering here. And I think it now brings back the idea that we have the lowest planted acres in all wheat since 1919. That matters again. I think this is where this market could have legs to the upside until we get to the Federal Reserve report on Wednesday, export sales on Thursday, and whether we hear more talk about NAFTA being terminated. And we haven't seen a lot of sales of our U.S. wheat recently, so world stockpiles, piles, I should say, will continue to at least uh, keep a barrier on the on the rallies? 
I think that's right. I mean, we still are running, and, and this comes out as of today's weekly export inspections. We've got 32% ahead of last year in inspections versus uh, the last year current marketing date. And so we're right on target with the uh, with the USDA when it comes to the wheat. Corn, however, running still almost 60% ahead of last year. USDA is showing only a 17% gain. So the real demand story, I think you're right, is in the corn, and I think that's why corn will, I think, very readily move higher with the wheat if the wheat wants to keep going. Let's look at that December contract. Marketing opportunities, are there any? I think you got to get up to 396 and test that level. That would be the fourth or fifth time that we tested that, Dewey. I think if you get above 396, you're headed towards 405 to 415. Keep in mind, planting numbers last year at this time, on a Monday, we were at 45%. The trade's expecting not much more than 30% on today's corn planting. So not only do you have probably spring wheat acres moving into oil seeds, you're going to start hearing, I think, more talk about corn acres moving into oil seeds. All of a sudden, does the corn acreage number start to feel like the wheat acreage number? We can't lose anymore, and we can't have late planting because that drags down our national yield. So I think, again, between the record net short and wheat, Big, big record net short in the wheat and corn combined. Corn seems to have a lot more upside to me than the beans do at this point. And spring wheat might have more to the upside than winter wheat at two? We were 54% planted in spring wheat last year at this time, and the trade's not looking for much more than 33. And I think this is a big number because in 2015, we were almost 70% planted coming into the May 1st time period. So I think, yes, the hard red wheat and the spring wheat could be both very supportive features to this market from the supply side. But you're right, you've got to watch and balance the demand side out there, too, as prices go up, especially if the dollar starts to turn and move a trend towards a higher market. Always good to talk with you, Mike. Thank you, Dewey. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Go to globalanalytics.biz or call Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, 866-471-2588. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, a big lead became a white knuckler yesterday for the Husker baseball team as they held off Ohio State 11-9 to take the rubber game of that series. Nebraska actually led 10 to nothing before the Buckeyes came storming back. They scored eight runs against the Husker bullpen and had the tying run at the plate. Head coach Darren Erstad was just glad in you found a way to hang on. It's a good lesson never to, you know, let your guard down. And, and you know, anything can happen. Wind's howling out. You know, come in here and, and you know, they had a bunch of balls find holes up the middle and, and they get a lot of momentum going. And, you know, it's one of those things is you play enough games, crazy stuff can happen. Erstad made his comments on the Husker Sports Network. Jake Myers picked up his seventh victory of the season, allowing just one run over seven frames, while Scott Schreiber, Ben Miller, and Jake Schleppenbach drove in three runs apiece. NU has finals this week and won't play again until they host Rutgers on Friday. Nathan Gary was the only Husker to be selected in this weekend's NFL draft, but a number of other Huskers signed free agent deals or will get tryouts with teams. Tommy Armstrong is headed to Minnesota. Alonzo Moore landed with Kansas City, and Brandon Riley is headed to Buffalo. Terrell Newby, he signed with Minnesota, and Josh Bandera signed with Denver. Elsewhere, Seathan Carter was picked up by Cincinnati. Dylan Utter gets a tryout with Minnesota. Jordan Westerkamp gets a tryout with Tampa Bay. And Sam Hahn gets a chance to latch on with Minnesota. And linebacker Michael Rose-Ivy gets a tryout with the Chicago Bears. 
Former Huskers Jordan Burroughs and James Green each won individual crowns at the men's Freestyle U.S. Open, which was held in Las Vegas over the weekend. Burroughs, the 2012 Olympic gold medalist and three-time world champion, won five matches over a two-day stretch. Green, a 2015 world bronze medalist and 2016 non-Olympic weight world team member, outscored his first three opponents by a score of 31-10. to Both wrestlers are expected to compete at the U.S. Freestyle World Team Trials, which are set for June at the Devaney Center in Lincoln. Well, the Kansas City Royals tried to avoid a 10th straight loss when they begin a series today at home against the White Sox. Kansas City stuck in its worst skids and dropping 12 in a row in April of 2012. Jason Vargas starts for the Royals after losing to Chicago a week ago. And Larry Bird is stepping away from the Pacers again. He made it official today and announced his resignation as the team's president to basketball operations. It's the second time in five years he's walked away from Indiana's top front office position. General manager and former KU star Kevin Pritchard will replace Bird as the Pacers' top decision maker. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. Sunday's spring storm brought rain, wet snow, strong winds, and power outages to many central Nebraskans. As of this morning, Dawson Public Power District still had about 1,700 customers without power. The largest remaining outage affected about 1,500 customers. That's caused by a transmission line issue. The same issue has also affected Southern Power District customers in Bertrand. Marsha Bonsoff, manager of customer service for Dawson Public Power District, talked about the outage area. Our big outage includes Johnson Lake, Elwood, Smithfield, and we were serving the village of Bertrand as well. village of Bertrand is actually a Southern Power customer, but we were working together on a project. Bonshoff also talked about the plan they are currently working on to restore power in some areas. We're getting ready to change the way that the power is fed into that system. That takes some approvals and authorizations before we can do that, and then it takes a little while to get it done. So when that is done, there should be several people that come back on. Then we'll work on getting the lake on. Today's more favorable weather conditions will assist in restoration efforts, but muddy roads, fields, and pastures will continue to be a problem. Police in Wichita, Kansas, say they've arrested two people in connection with last week's stabbing death of an 86-year-old man. Police say a 28-year-old man and an 18-year-old woman were booked on suspicion of first-degree murder and robbery. It was not immediately clear this morning if the two had been formally charged. Police say Otto Meyer was found dead on Friday at a Wichita house he owned, but in which he did not live and that he had been repeatedly stabbed. Earlier today, police declined to discuss Meyer's possible relationship with the suspects. The Kansas wheat crop saw considerable damage over the weekend from heavy snows. I'm Joe Gangwish, going to visit with David Shim, who farms in the Sharon Springs, Kansas area, and he's president of the National Association of Weed Growers. David, on our network Twitter page, we retweeted your video from Sunday on how much of the wheat was buried there. Would you estimate 14 inches of snow on top of your wheat crop? Yeah, um, I would definitely estimate that much. It also, it was melting very fast. I mean, it was snowing extremely heavy, but there was some ground temperature left out there, you know, obviously, with the warmer temperatures and weather we've been having, but it still ended up weighing down there. I was able to make it to just a couple of wheat fields here this morning and walk out into them and 
Uh, just a rough guesstimate. There's still a good uh, six to eight inches of snow laying on top of that weight. Wow, that can just be devastating. And when did the snow start for you guys there in the Sharon Springs area? You know, it it was starting to snow. Um, you know, what that would have been. I'm trying to remember, but uh, Saturday uh, evening we were getting a little bit of snow, and it was kind of coming down. But at that time, it was probably only at two to three inches, and it seemed like it was melting pretty good. And then it just continued snowing uh, all Saturday uh, night. Uh, and then Sunday morning, about, I would say, between 8 and 10 o'clock, it really intensified, and we were having substantial snow coming down at that time. Uh, I probably only had a visibility, I'm guessing, of 20 to 30 yards as well as winds that were uh, definitely gusting up there around uh, 55 miles an hour to 60 miles an hour. And then, uh, quite honestly, then by about 1 to 2 o'clock, the snow had ended, and we actually saw just a little bit of sunshine yesterday afternoon. So fast-moving system, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it just dumped a tremendous amount of moisture and snow out here. Uh, everything's absolutely muddy underneath. The uh, few uh, dirt or unpaved roads that I tried to get through down here, uh, it's just it's not just the snow, but it's just absolute grease mud underneath there that makes it uh, almost impassable. But it's probably pretty difficult for you to even get to town today, wasn't it? Yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, I, I know some people are still struggling to try to get out. Uh, I was able to try to get some neighbors. Uh, uh, we have some close neighbors uh you know, yards cleaned up and our yards cleaned up so we could at least kind of get out. But the roads are just absolutely uh, very challenging just to get out uh, right now at all. And that's why I've only been able to check a couple of uh, wheat fields. It's probably going to have to be just a little bit before I can even get to the rest of the wheat fields. Yeah. In your years of growing wheat, David, have you ever seen this much snow fall on your wheat before? Never at this stage. Never this late. Um, at least from what I'm understanding, and, and I just... This is breaking records uh, as far back almost as we have them, I suspect. Uh, I've just never seen basically, a, a, you know, April 30th, May 1st type of snow like this. Um, you know, as I was able to just briefly walk into one wheat field this morning here, uh, you know, quite honestly, looking at it there, uh, it's not, uh, you know, how much damage has it done, it's how much wheat are we going to have left. Just uh, significant, a lot of kinking of the stems. And then, of course, with the cold temperatures on that head, that was, you know, the head was either in the boot or just starting to emerge on this wheat. It's just time will have to tell on that. But uh, for sure, there's been damage to the wheat. Um, I know there are a few uh, farmers out here that do already have corn in the ground, so they're obviously very concerned about the impact that's going to have on their uh, planting there if they have to replant there. And then, obviously, we're going to be working on an awful short time frame to try to get the remainder of corn in out here in this part of the state. David Shem is with us, a wheat grower from western Kansas in the Sharon Springs area. We're talking about the damage done to the wheat over the weekend from the heavy snows. And, David, with this much burying, as you mentioned before, you just like to know how much wheat you're able to salvage out of that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at right now. You know, obviously when it it's the, the wheat laid flat, I walked out the wheat field. I walked out this morning uh, before the snow was uh, pushing right there around knee to thigh high, uh, thigh height on me. And when I walked out there in this this morning, when I kind of finished crunching down through the snow, it barely came up to the uh, uh, calf of my leg there. And then I, as I dug down into that wheat, I saw it kinked over. Some had just laid over. 
Uh, but we're going to have disease pressures, even if it, the wheat that does survive, and obviously harvesting it could, uh, could be, uh, be incredibly challenging if there is anything left there. So um, obviously a, a lot of concerns there uh, about what this year's uh, wheat and the crops are going to look like. Yeah, that's a great point on disease. I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I would uh, suspect now on any of the wheat that survives, and you mentioned the newly planted corn, we got to worry about a lot of moisture in a very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the snow, the, the ground temperature, I have not had a chance, again, without electricity. This morning we have had limited uh, Internet access, so you know, I don't know what our ground temperature or low temperature dropped back down to uh, last night or damaged the wheat, but even with the corn seed that is in the ground, you know, is it going to just rot there because the ground temperature cooled off too much or be too wet and, and just kind of drowned it out as well. So big challenges I see coming up here through the next several weeks as to what we're going to do. Um, obviously, with the wheat and, and the concern over it, it's going to be a lot of evaluating. I do know that uh, we're getting ready to kick off the wheat tour here in the uh, state today, and it's going to be interesting to see what they find, especially as they get out to this part of the country. Comments from David Shem, president of the National Association of Weed Growers, also from the Sharon Springs, Kansas area, where they saw up to 14 inches of snow on their heading wheat there in western Kansas yesterday, now out assessing the damage. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Now we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Well, weather was an important factor in the grain markets. What happened as far as the livestock futures today? Well, I think there's a couple of things that uh, kind of affected the uh, the livestock this morning. Uh, number one, uh, markets overbought, and uh, I think uh, uh, there weren't any uh, bids really, and, and I think a lot of people were looking for that. You know, after a really strong week last week in the cash uh, looking for, for that to happen. So I think there was a little bit of profit taking that uh, came to play, uh, particularly uh, in uh, the feeder cattle, but also affecting the feeder cattle was the sharp grain prices, the sharply higher grain prices. So that put a little bit of pressure on, but, you know, it wasn't anything disastrous uh, by any stretch of the imagination. You closed mixed in the uh, live cattle, and, uh, you know, the, the strongest down was... Uh, uh, the uh, October contract, which is 42 cents lower, so you can't say that was too bad. And feeders uh, basically from uh, oh, uh, say 75 to a dollar 10 lower. So no, uh, no disaster there. The hogs started out higher along with the cattle, uh, but began to uh, slip. And I think it was morally, more or less uh, profit taking because of the premiums to the index. Now, the index is showing a little bit of strength now, but we're still a uh, pretty good premium. So, uh, and we're just a shade overbought. So, I think uh, it was mostly uh, profit taking uh, today in the livestock. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at 800 328 0134, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter today expected to be 107,000, 8,000 less than last Monday. Hog slaughter, 421,000, 21,000 less than last Monday. I'm Dewey Nelson. 
Your Rural Radio Association has created a new program to get real answers on important topics to rural America. The first Rural Radio Forum will be Tuesday, May 2nd, discussing farm succession. I'm Rural Radio Network Farm Director Joe Gangwish. Join me as we visit with Nebraska Extension Educator Alan Vinalik to discuss putting together a succession plan. Lindsay Corporation and your local Zomatic and FieldNet dealers present the Rural Radio Forum Farm Succession Planning, May 2nd at 3.20 Central Time, right here on 880 KRVN. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. On the phone with me is Senator Kurt Friesen from Henderson. Senator, this is your bill. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is and does? What LB-98 is, is it extends the sunset date of the levy authority to go to three cents for integrated management plans for the NRD system. It's basically a very simple bill. It just extends the sunset date to 2026 and allows them to use that levy to help meet their uh, water management goals until then. When it comes to this three-cent levy, why do you think it's important and why do you want this to continue? Well, when LB 962 was written and we looked at the integrated management that was needed between surface water and groundwater and finally recognized that relationship, we knew that those districts that were declared fully or over-appropriated would need some extra levy authority or dollars in order to meet those goals. And so there were, of the NRDs that are out there, 10 of them have the authority. Um, those NRDs who are not fully or over-appropriated do not have the authority. But those that have the authority also have to roll back water use in their districts. And so what they're using these dollars for is to uh, numerous, and uh, that's kind of distinct to that NRD and how to roll back water use to meet those 1997 levels that they're obligated to get back to. Why does that three cents matter to some of these NRDs? Well, this levy authority, you know, and I don't know exactly what level they are in their main levy authority. Each NRD has the authority to go to four and a half cents. And then they'll have the authority to go an extra one cent if they have water quality issues. And then they're allowed the three cents authority if they're fully or over-appropriated. So this levy is, um, the dollars used here is restricted into implementing their integrated management plan, which is a plan developed and approved by the Nebraska Department of Natural Resources to help meet these water requirements. So it's a separate levy authority given to them for a specific purpose. When it comes to the irrigators and the producers that are in these NRDs where this might affect them, what would it look like for them to not have LB98 go through? And then what would it look like for those producers if it did go through? Basically, in short, if it goes through, basically nothing changes unless they decide to raise or lower that levy. Uh, right now, the average levy of that three cents is 1.48 cents, I think. And so, and only seven of the 10 districts that are allowed to use it are using it. So if we would take that authority away, and if they didn't have room to put any of these programs under their general levy, what they would do is they do have access to a $10 per acre occupation tax. And so what possibly could happen then is that they would implement the $10 occupation tax, and then all of this integrated management plan spending, the dollars that are needed to implement those integrated management plans, would come strictly off of irrigated acres in the district. And our research kind of shows that in some areas you could see like a 116 to 120% increase 
in their property tax levy on the NRD portion. So it'd be a, I think a two dollar, two dollar and fifty cents an acre tax increase on their property tax levy over what they're paying now. We've been talking with Senator Kurt Friesen from Henderson, who is discussing his bill LB ninety eight for the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Lots of volatility in the grain market today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. He's also publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And you have to attribute weather as the main supporting factor here, John. Now, did we rally too much today? Oh, I think that's a tough question to answer, given that we don't really know what lies out there here. I you know, I, we all know the story out west. It's, uh, you know, wet snow and then the kind of destruction of the wheat crop. Um, at this point, I think the market's just getting back to square. It's, you know, to trade this thing it's with some certainty as far as what's lost and what's not. I mean, I, I don't think it's still a couple of weeks from that. So it feels like we got to run back up to those highs there uh, from early early March, late February. I think we're sitting 380 or 480 um, December 7th. Or I'm sorry, March, gosh, July of, uh, of wheat, and then you're looking at like 390 on the July contract for uh, for corn. Uh, I think we'll see those levels. I think we'll continue to push here, um, especially out east. Out east is much more concerning on the corn side. Um, you know, guys, I work with in kind of west eastern Missouri, southern Illinois. I mean, they're sitting in 30,000 acre bottom ground that is essentially underwater right now, and you've got elevators that are down there and co-ops along the river that are having to move bushels out. So you've got a massive logistical problem as well that's going to happen here as the Mississippi River crests over the next week. So this is by no means over with. I know the, the close might have been a little sour given that we came off the highs. I think that was just more profit-taking on, on a first kind of move we've seen like this in grains in some time. But uh, in my opinion here, this is a wake-up call for the shorts. Um, you know, Really, the last year, we've traded with some certainty since that break that came in July about how much grain's out there and how growing it's going to go pretty smoothly. And at this point now, we have a major monkey wrench in the wheat markets uh, and especially wheat uh, corn acres. How, how many acres are we going to get replanted? What's that total number going to look like? How early is it going to get in the ground? I mean, those are all things that I think are going to keep price steady here in the short term. So well, I think there are marketing opportunities for 2018 and beyond, I mean, looking at newer crop contracts, there's certainly levels that are attractive. I don't think that cash market's done moving yet. And if we see these delays, especially in Minnesota when it comes to spring wheat, uh, they could continue to see Minneapolis gain on Chicago and Kansas City, couldn't we? Absolutely, and I think it's like, it was a year ago, you know, going into this time frame, we were trading plus $5, and that was cheap at the time. So, you know, for anybody to have a, an understanding of, of what value is, we need to first understand what the supply looks like. And right now we had, going into Thursday, you had all these new crop bushels that were essentially quote-unquote certain given the amount of moisture we've had. That's now different. Everything's up in the air now, so prices are going to reflect that. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing, Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting. 